Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Or as they say on Drag Race España, which I've been watching a little bit lately. Hola, hola, hola. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned watching a an international version of something because I think I might start watching the Danish version of Alone. Oh, okay. It's the one where they have no prize money. The winner just gets bragging rights. Do they give no prize money because it's on a state-owned network? Similar to how Drag Race UK can't give prize money because it's on the BBC? Or is it truly just because they only want to give bragging rights (laughs) to the winner? I don't know for sure i was just reading about it yesterday and it did say it's just like the winner gets bragging rights or whatever but they could still just Mm. say that rather than like fully explaining it yeah i mean drag race doesn't explain it they're not like oh the bbc (laughs) the british broadcasting company i should be saying that in a british accent but too late um is not able to give prize money because you know taxpayer dollars are funding this or anything like that but i've been seeing a lot of like bbc or like i guess not bbc but british related television news i don't know if you saw there's a great british bake-off musical (laughs) no i did not that's intriguing yeah i tell me more I, i honestly i didn't really like read the article so i can't oh. tell you that much <laughs> okay, but it, i think it's called bake off the musical mm. but i love it i love that show i think it's so good i it's one of my favorite watches and i'm actually surprised they haven't come out with a new season yet this year hmm. uh and also i saw that love island has had its highest ratings in several seasons which everyone is shocked about because this year they put in place new mental health standards oh and okay. so like there's it's a little more tame than it used to be and even like there's a voiceover hmm. in the show which is always just like really snarky they've really toned it down because of all the people who have come out of that show and their lives have been, like, ruined or they've committed suicide mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. So I, I think I was reading, too, like, last season they got, within, like, a few episodes, like, thousands and thousands of write-ins from viewers about all of the bullying and everything. So mm-hmm. it's good they're doing it. I and it's seeing that, too. It's exciting that, like it's actually made people want to watch it more. I guess it means you don't have to be completely nasty to get people to watch your show. I feel like the British sense of humor is like so much snarkier most of the time than, I mean, not so much maybe because there's a fair bit of snark here in America as well. But I think maybe in America on a show like, you know, The Bachelor, it's more like the juicy drama that people like. More so than just, like, making fun of people. Like, there uh, there might be an airhead or two or five <laughs> on each season. Fifteen. That, uh, right. <laughs> but it's not always just like, haha, look at how stupid this person is. Or look at how ugly they are or how fat they right. are or something like that. I think the, the general British feeling about that may not be quite as sensitive, maybe, right. as Americans are. So, interesting that they have sort of retooled their approach to doing that and it seems to be working out for them. Yeah, definitely. Well, (laughs) shall we dig into some of today's topics? I would love to. I know we've already talked extensively about the Emmy nominations, but I'd... Have we? Well, off the podcast. 
I feel like we've talked uh, about yes. it quite a bit. <laughs> but I feel like... But we we have not recorded an episode since the nominations came out. So our listeners have not heard our opinions <laughs> about them. Not that I think that I really have that many interesting opinions about I don't, this year's nominations. I don't really but. either. Like, I, I really wasn't truly shocked by any of it. I will say I do think Mm-mm. comedy is a little more interesting to me this year than drama. Agreed. Yeah. So when I look down through the list of drama series nominees for this year, I have watched... The current season, like the season that is nominated for two of these eight shows. Okay. For the comedy series category, I have watched seven of the eight (laughs) um, nominees this year. And the other one, the only one I have not is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I've seen the previous three seasons of and canceled my Amazon Prime subscription. So that's why I have not watched it. Right. Um, And generally, I am more interested, I would say, in comedies than in dramas. But I just feel like that speaks to the strength of comedy shows right now. Like, there's just, I think there's so much more, like, interesting stuff happening in comedy than there is in drama. Because even looking down through the list of drama nominees, like, there are shows that I might give a chance to, some of them. But they're not things that I really would expect to be a fan of. I guess. And I'm a fan of every show in the comedy series category. Yeah, for the drama series, like, I just, like, I feel like anyone I know who watches Better Call Saul has not really been thrilled with the past few seasons of it. Like, I I, I don't know. I mean, that's truly anecdotal, but I feel like that is a show that I will never watch because I never finished Breaking Bad. I never really, I didn't really like Breaking Bad all that much. Uh, Ozark, I think, is true trash. I hate it. I, it's an, an embarrassing show. I don't understand why anyone pretends that it's good. Um, Agreed. I, sever- I will just interrupt and say, I watched like the first four episodes of the first season of Ozark, and the entire time I was like. I have seen this before, but yeah. done much better. And well, this is not good. Yeah. It's trying to be good. It thinks it is good. It's not good. It's not original. It's Mm-mm. it's a rehashing of other ideas that shows have already done, but it's not improving on them. It's actually doing them way worse. And so I stopped watching because I couldn't make it through <laughs> any it's, more than that. It's also like you are watching it through like an uncleaned fish tank like because everything (laughs) is just green and i understand that is a creative choice but i don't respect it at all it's so dumb uh squid game i haven't seen stranger things i also stopped watching because i didn't really care anymore but i have seen severance i thought severance was really pretty solid the acting was great and it was like kind of weird and out there but again i i just i don't think it's the kind of show that will probably age well past like a second season because like lost and other shows before it it all just sort of hinges on you not really knowing anything and so you 
Mm. You can't really give answers because then no one's going to keep watching. And then I just watched right. Yellow Jackets this week, which I, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed it. I watched it in like two days. I binged it. It's super bingeable, but it's just like Pretty Little Liars meets Lord of the Flies. And I mm. don't think it's anything special. And I think it's it's going to suffer from the same thing I think Severance will suffer from, which is that after a half of another season, like it's going to be very hard to watch because there are just, there's just so little you can do. Like you're just putting off revealing everything. And mm -hmm. I don't I guess I just don't like that kind of gimmick in shows. Like I, I think there's a better way to do it, maybe or I yeah. don't know, come up with a better concept. <laughs> right. It's interesting to me that, like, Yellow Jackets was not just... I I will say that I have not seen it yet, and it, I don't you know, know the full details of the plot or anything, but it seems like the kind of show that should have just been a limited series. Like, they should yes. have just said, we're going to you know keep this at a finite 10 episodes or whatever, and that's the entire story we're going to tell so that we don't wear ourselves out. Right. And Squid Game 2, I think, was probably intended to be that. And now it's getting a second season that, granted, it won't be along for a couple of years. And who knows how different that will be from the first. But, like, what was the other one? Uh, Severance. Maybe that's the approach that they should have taken with that, too. With as many high-profile names as are attached to it, it seems like the kind of thing that they could have gotten, like, more bang for their buck just being, like, this is a special event. Right. kind of thing because honestly i didn't even know that all those people were on severance until i watched until i looked at the list of nominees <laughs> of, of people who got nominated and because i had heard of the show like maybe twice right before the list of nominations came out i knew nothing about it so it's weird to me that they wouldn't have like given it a bigger push for one thing and obviously they give it a big enough push to get it nominated right. but i think they could have made it more of a bigger event if it weren't a regular series that's just my idea of it anyway but, yeah you you and i had a conversation and something you just said made me think of it but we were talking about why certain shows get nominated and certain shows don't specifically regarding yellowstone because i I just think it's weird looking at the list of shows that were nominated. Yellowstone is easily a better show than at least two of the shows on the list, and at <laughs> least on the same level as some of the other shows, I think, at, mm -hmm. at this point. The first season was a little crazy, but it's toned down a lot, and it same kind of thing as these shows, like, has a big-name star attached and is, like shot very beautifully and i i don't know i mean there was so much buzz about it but you know we talk about like why it wasn't but that started me thinking about like what makes a tv show prestige at all which sent me down a rabbit hole of reading a bunch of articles that had been written about that same topic like why are certain shows considered prestige and it all like came full circle today. So like a lot of the articles talk about how prestige TV is always compared to like a greater form of media, like books or film. You know, you say like a, mm. a show is cinematic or like the writing is as good as it would have been in a book, which basically is like people saying like, oh, TV's like lesser than all of these other mm -hmm. mediums or whatever. And that has sort of over time led, I think, a lot of creators to say that their TV shows are just 10-hour movies, 
Or in the case of right. Game of Thrones, those showrunners literally said that Game of Thrones is a 73-hour movie. And today, there was an article that came out with the showrunner behind the Amazon series The Boys. Mm-hmm. And he was blasting people that say that about their shows. He was like, your show isn't a 10-hour movie. Like, why can you not allow yourself to just say, I am making a TV show, a great TV show that is in the medium of television? And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, thinking about, like, Yellow Jackets or Severance, which I think both would have been great limited series... I don't know. It all just sort of connects in my mind. Like, are these people viewing their series as if it's just a really long movie? So they're drawing everything out. You know, obviously people want to stay on the air from year to year because you're going to make more money and the show will probably get bigger or whatever. But it is interesting, the choices that people make. And to connect it back to like the American Horror Story episode that we did, you know, many months ago, but thinking about series that start as miniseries and then will greenlight second seasons that maybe didn't even need to exist. So, I don't know. Big little lies. Big little lies, exactly. (laughs) So I think it's all just, I don't know, it's all just a little interesting to me, the hierarchy of like what is considered prestige, what is considered worth actually talking about I, I don't know. I don't really know where I was going with that, but it all does feel connected. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I think that, like, there are just so many shows that, uh, and I I hesitate to even say this because I know it sounds stupid because it's the nature of the television industry to make money, like any industry, <laughs> that's what its, right. you know, purpose is. But I think we are in the day and age now where creators can finally, if they want to, just be creative and just make decisions based on what best serves their art rather than on trying to make the most money. And I think with all of the available streaming services these days, there's got to be somebody out there who will just let you make your art, right? And not be forcing you for more of that same property. Maybe that's naive of me to think. I I know that it all does come back to what's going to (laughs) generate the most subscribers or the most live viewers or whatever people are looking for. But I I think that so many times when I see shows like Big Little Lies or like Squid Game or some you know anything that has a very successful first season try to continue on and expand their story and expand their world it just feels like such a crappy sellout move (laughs) yes uh, like there are certain shows when i see that happen where i'm like there's no possible way that second season is going to be good and uh, i've been right about that for every show that i have watched that made a season that did not need to be made you know that turned from a limited series into a regular series so i i think there is just that idea of wanting that greater acclaim and wanting to keep your name in the conversation where it doesn't need to happen that way anymore because especially with streaming, things can live forever in a way that maybe they didn't when everything was on a broadcast network and when its run was done, it was done unless it was in syndication. Now, you know, you can have a show that comes out in 2016 and airs one season And people today could still be discovering it in 2022. Yeah, I mean, God, I saw like a TikTok the other day of someone talking about that show Pushing Daisies, 
which had like <laughs> one season and everyone was so mad about it. And I just think it's so funny that that was like, what? Like how, 15 years ago? That might've been when we were in high school. Yeah, that yeah. was so long ago. And and like a wow. show like that can still, like people are still discovering it and still angry that it only ever got one season. Well, hey, if you're one of those people that wants to go dig up old TV shows that got canceled too soon, go check out <laughs> Happy Endings on Hulu. It's one of my favorite <laughs> shows of all time. I talked about it on a mini-sode, only got three seasons. One of the funniest fastest cleverest shows you'll ever watch um and you know what i wish it would have run longer but i'm satisfied with the three seasons it made so yeah go watch it and you'll appreciate it too didn't expect for that plug to work its way in here but <laughs> you plug it where it you did. can yeah <laughs> <laughs> right any opportunity i get so i did see succession broke a record for number of nominations I think. Oh, is that true? I 25 that. nominations. Wow, okay. And also SNL reached a new, broken new record for total nominations ever, which is, like, not really exciting to me, but... <laughs> what took them so long? I know, right? <laughs> it's been on the air for 47 years. How did it not already break Yeah, records? what did they say? It's been nominated in six <laughs> different decades. Jeez. Wow. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, other than that, I'm always underwhelmed by competition reality program or whatever they call it these days. A anything reality related, I just feel like they totally miss the mark on a little bit. Do they even okay. do an well, award for just a regular reality program? So they have it broken up into structured reality program and unstructured right. reality program. And I have no effing clue what the difference is because there are lots of shows in each category that i go what makes that structured and what makes that unstructured right so i am not sure why those two different categories even need to exist but it's a chance to give more awards to more people which is what the <laughs> networks all want so i was i i read an article today about how much the Emmys still matter in like the streaming era and it was like a pretty worthless read honestly because the the article was basically just saying yeah like they don't really matter at all but yet like they they do all also matter and I'm like great point thanks for wasting my time <laughs> right <laughs> I did see that the problem with Jon Stewart got a, a nomination, by the way, which I just think is funny considering how few people watched that show. I the will be tens honest, of I, did thousands. Not, I did not even know that it was out yet. I knew that he was working on a new show, but I did not know it existed yet. So I guess that does I, not bode well for him. I have a really weird thought about Apple TV, which is that they structure like... I feel like they structure all of their shows around an entity rather than an idea. Like, even with Severance, I feel like it was like, let's make a series and really feature Adam Scott. And they have that series with um, the woman who used to be on SNL. Uh, I can't, her mom was a soul, like, flower child, soul singer kind of person. Why can't Rudolph? I think of? Yes. Yeah. She has a whole series Loot. on Loot is the Loot. show. Yes. Yes. But every show I see them putting out, I just feel like there's one 
like recognizable person driving the show, even Ted Lasso a little bit. And maybe it's just the way they do their like design for all the marketing stuff. It feels like there's like one face being really thrown at you all of the time. I also saw something today that Oprah is going to either already has or is going to have an Apple TV show. I had heard that too, but that was a while ago that I heard it and I don't, I haven't heard any updates or seen anything coming out. I don't think it's out yet. If it is, they've done a terrible job promoting it for for having Oprah in it. I know. But yeah, I just feel like they do something... Maybe it is just the marketing, but it just always, it really to me feels like they find a person and they create a show around it, and it's just kind of weird to me. Feels like a weird strategy. Well, I will say that I feel like Apple, Apple TV's marketing, I guess this is along those lines, but a little different observation. I never know what they're about. Yes. Like, I, I always get so confused by the marketing for them because I'll see like the name of the show or the names of the people attached, and I'm like, okay, that could be good. But I feel like I get no information from any of the marketing. Like, I never see a full-length trailer anywhere that actually tells me what this show is going to be about. And I never see people in, like, interviews for those shows actually talking about the show. It's like they want it to be some big secret. And that doesn't work all the time. Like, there are certain kinds of shows that that might work (laughs) for, where you're, like, going for that sort of, like, figure it out as you go puzzle kind of feel but like a show i don't know like the problem with john stewart it seems like that should have come up on my radar somewhere and you know other shows like loot i've heard of it i don't know what it's about i love maya rudolph but i haven't seen her talking about what the show is anywhere like it just seems so bizarre to me that they can't seem to figure that out I just, I am so curious right now, I how, hold on, I want to look this up. <laughs> I love this. Apple TV Plus says that the problem with Jon Stewart is their number one unscripted series, but literally the second episode only had 40,000 viewers. Do they have any other unscripted series? <laughs> Is it only number one because it's the only one? That's what I keep thinking about. So I'm eventually going to put out another podcast, which I guess is uh, it doesn't matter if I spoil it, all about Liam Neeson. And I want to have the tagline be the world's number one Liam Neeson podcast because it's the only one. <laughs> but I actually, I, that may not be funny, but it's funny to me to think about. No, I think that's funny. You should do it. <laughs> Um, did you have anything else to say about the Emmy nominations? Um, I don't think so. I'm looking down through the list. The only other thing that I think is just so weird is that the uh, Variety Sketch Series category once again has only two nominees, Saturday Night Live and a Black Lady Sketch Show, the hmm. same two nominees that it had last year. And at that point, it's just like, if you only have two eligible shows or only two shows that were good enough to warrant a nomination, why even have that category? Like that's, it's like, it's not fair. First of all, to a black lady sketch show because they're going to lose. But also like you have other, just lump them in with like, I don't know, the variety special or something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's not a fair 
categorization either. But Well, I feel like they keep it in because things come in and out of vogue, I guess, over time. And so I yeah. feel like there were probably points in, in history where, I don't know, like, comedy series was that was lacking for a while that's like definitely not true but i can't think of like anything else to really say but you know at some point theoretically maybe sketch shows will come back into fashion and Mm -hmm. like the category will remain but another thing i think is kind of strange is like keeping like drama series we said it's sort of a, a lacking category i you don't have to have eight nominees you could just right. have five nominees. Like, if, if no one's, like, if Squid Game isn't deserving, like, don't give it a nomination. I And mm-hmm. maybe Squid Game is. I still haven't watched it, and I'm not going to, but. <laughs> it does feel like a bloated list for a lot of these categories. Right. And if they truly do want to establish certain shows as being prestige TV, then maybe right. they should make the nominations a little more prestigious by not just (laughs) handing them out like candy to everyone in the cast of well a succession is a good show and those people deserve their nominees and like the white lotus was great and those people deserve their nominees i didn't know you watched it which white lotus yeah oh my god like last year i thought it was one of the funniest shows i've ever seen yeah oh i thought it was excellent but did okay, all five sorry. supporting actress nominees need to be in the category? <laughs> I mean, they were all good, but at right. what point are we just, like, literally giving everyone a, a nomination that was in the project? I've always felt like the Emmys should have an ensemble cast award. Like They should, like the SAG Awards do. Yeah, exactly. And then you... I guess you might still end up nominating, like, all these people for, like, an individual award, but... It would make sense to me, especially with, like, the style of TV that is really popular these days. Like, almost every show has a huge cast, it feels like. So it would be nice to honor that. Whoever's in charge of the the new category creations at the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, heed our call for a new category honoring best ensemble in yes uh, drama series comedy series varieties well not yeah i mean you could do variety series but it would only be <laughs> snl and a black lady sketch show this limited crazy. series yeah yeah well this is a super harsh segue but i did want to mention in today's episode that i've been seeing a lot of articles about the songs that have like rocketed to renewed success because of Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm pretty sure anyone who's not under a rock has heard Running Up That Hill by Kate Uh Bush at at least like a thousand times in the past month. But it just surpassed a million views on YouTube. And then I was actually listening to the radio over the weekend. What's that? (laughs) I know. And uh, Beto Rocks mentioned that Metallica's Master of Puppets is charting in the UK for the first time ever. And Mm. I believe Kate Bush's song is 37 years old. Yes. And Metallica's Metallica's is came out in 86. So somebody do that math, I guess. (laughs) 36. Yeah, so basically the same. Yeah. Uh, And I just think it's so 
cool. I, I follow a couple people online who will like track the history of a song and like really dive deep into it. And so like they've done that with like some of these songs and you know, there's like all sorts of weird sounds that go viral and are like used over and over again. And like, it's kind of fun to delve into the history behind those things. And I think it's absolutely insane that there are people out there who are able to do that because I wouldn't even know where to start. But mm -hmm. it reminded me of like way before TikTok and like viral stuff. The Sopranos did a very similar thing with their finale. Mm -hmm. They used Don't Stop Believing, which like I think downloads went up like 43% after the finale or something crazy like that. I think the quote unquote musical moment on TV where a song kind of like identifies a particular feeling or is you know gets tied to a very important scene or something like that and has a lot of success is so much more rare these days than it used to be like i maybe i can't actually think of any examples off the top of my head um <laughs> from like childhood like that but i think of like gray's anatomy when it was first starting oh, yeah. like so many songs and like a bunch of artists really got so much exposure from their music being used in that show and i don't feel like there's a show today that like consistently breaks new artists like that i just want to say really quickly you got me the gray's anatomy soundtrack for my 16th birthday i guess i did <laughs> i don't remember that but yeah, it sounds like me, something i would do <laughs> you got me like the season one like all of the music so it had like uh a Tegan and Sarah song, Wherever the Good Goes, that's that one. It had mm. Portions for Foxes. It had probably the Snow... I think it was the Snow Patrol song that got really big because of Grey's Anatomy. But yeah, it had like all of the, the music. And I actually was recently watching a few episodes from the first season of Grey's Anatomy because I still think that those episodes are so good it's like insane to me how different the show is now but watching mm. it i'm like i know all the words to these songs because i had the cd that cody gave me wow yeah i'm i'm so glad that i could be part of your <laughs> musical journey like that you were <laughs> i feel like there was another point i wanted to make about this but i can't think of it i feel like a, a real schmo right now <laughs> well before we get into a listener voicemail since I don't think either of us have anything to say about the songs. <laughs> I, I, I thought that I did. So did I. Who, um, <laughs> who um, are only hearing the version of this that Elena curates through editing. I sat here and thought for a long time about a thought I had earlier that I wanted a point I wanted to make about music and all of that. And um, I couldn't think of it. Still can't. So we're just going to move on. So next week will be roughly our one year anniversary of doing Televisionary. So we wanted to put out a cry for help for the episode. <laughs> help us. Help us. Please. <laughs> so lately we've been trying to feature guests and like listener voicemails so we're asking all of you listeners to send in a voicemail pretty much it could be about anything but you know maybe try to keep it tv televisionary related and <laughs> we are going to highlight all of those 
next week before we end up taking a little hiatus in between releasing episodes. Yeah, so we would love to hear about your favorite moments from our first year of Televisionary. If there's a particular episode that you loved the most or the points that we made talking about a certain show or something that you uh, wanted to share your opinions on, or if you think that we missed something in our conversations about a certain topic or about a certain show, we would love to hear what you have to say about them. So please record a little voice memo for us and send it on over to televisionarypodcast at gmail.com. That's our email address, correct? That's it. Yep. I thought I remembered it. (laughs) (laughs) And I will put the info for that on our Instagram later today, actually, the day that we are recording and post about it a few more times throughout this week. So you can check there if you don't know how to spell televisionary, I guess. I mean, just think it's a portmanteau between television and visionary. (laughs) So if you know how to spell both of those words the vision part is you know the same yeah, yeah, yeah. so like you just yeah add them together it astounds me how confused people are on, on how to spell televisionary but you know what really? yeah how dumb are the people you're talking to <laughs> because... apparently pretty dumb <laughs> i mean not everyone won the spelling bee every year first through third grade but i feel like it's not a hard word to spell and I've never encountered anyone who thought it was difficult to spell it. What did I text you in the, like the middle of the night? Aspic ratio. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sent back a question mark this morning because I there was no context to that at all. It was just the words aspic ratio. I just remember like I was literally falling asleep and then that phrase hit my brain and I was like, I gotta write this down. And I rolled <laughs> over and I texted it to you because I thought you'd think it was funny. But now I'm like, why did I need to remember that so badly? Uh, I mean, uh. I guess it wasn't not funny. Um, <laughs> it was just baffling. It was just, yeah, a little bit. Yeah befuddling well okay so we have a listener voicemail but i cannot reveal this person's identity they have a high level position and we could not compromise that so i will be playing their voicemail now and their voice will be disguised so i hope you enjoy wow this is just riveting on june 9th we got the first January 6th hearing on primetime TV. And so this first hearing was carried live on a big list of TV networks and streaming services, uh, but not Fox News Channel. <laughs> Nielsen reported uh, it was like 20 million people watched the first January 6th hearing. So that's about 30% of the audience that would watch, you know, a presidential debate, maybe half the audience that would watch a State of the Union. So the question is, whether these televised hearings are going to make much of a difference in the public perceptions of, you know, Trump, the presidency, the aftermath, you know, January 6th. So most people really only care about the results of the hearing, which probably won't be for some time. But it's really hard to keep track of it all. Uh, Most people just can't afford the attention span to keep up with everything. I I certainly can't. Even people who are super interested in this stuff and following it as closely as they can are just 
becoming so worn down by like scandal and political controversy. Uh, I call it whiplash a lot, you know, because the same thing one day will be called, you know, a grave threat to our democracy by some people, and then will also be called a nothing burger by, by other people. You know, given the average person's just intense media saturation, you know, 24-7, 365, cable news and streaming, you know, polarization or even or even hyper-polarization of politics, I, I really doubt that the January 6th hearings will change a lot of minds. So we've been promised at least six public hearings from the January 6th committee. I'm guessing, I'm guessing there'll be a few more than that. Um, Watergate had 51 hearings that were mostly, if not all, primetime hearings. 51! Um, I can't really see anything holding America's attention for that long anymore. Um, but they better move quickly because I can't imagine what's, what's going to happen to the committee and their work if the House of Representatives changes hands in the midterms. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you. I like, um, I like the question there of what the purpose of televising something like this is. Like, I, I didn't realize that the first one had been viewed by 20 million people. That's a lot of people watching something so boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. And I feel like I haven't looked at recent, um, like, State of the Union ratings or anything like that but i feel if they really are that high if it's like yeah that's that crazy said, right um half of the audience of the state of the union if that's actually getting 40 million viewers right that seems like a whole lot but uh, i think it does demonstrate that there is a lot of public interest in this but as that person said i don't know how long that interest will be maintained you know, I think if there's going to be a point to these hearings in the public mind, in the public's minds, they have to happen relatively quickly because people just right. do move on from stuff so fast. And like, there's no way that if you have 51 hearings, people are going to watch all of them right. in 2022. So it will be interesting, I guess, to see how these hearings continue to take shape and if more like actual new and riveting and important information right. will be presented in any of them. But uh, it's fascinating to me that these are even happening in the first place because in my opinion, it's so unlikely that anything will actually come to pass <laughs> because of them. Well, it's interesting too. Like I keep seeing people online getting really upset by January 6th memes. And, mm. you know, all these people are like, we can't turn it into a meme. We can't turn it into a meme. But I would almost argue, like, obviously, like, it would be better if the memes were, you know, somewhat taking everything seriously. And I think some of them are. Like, some of them are really choosing to call out specifically, like, celebrities that were there or, you know, even if they were, like, D-list celebrities. Like, I think Jill Zarin was there and she's one of the real housewives on the Ultimate Girls trip or whatever. I think she mm. was at the Capitol. Um, but it, I don't necessarily think turning, like, a negative event into some kind of meme or viral focus is a bad thing because I it does, unfortunately, keep people more engaged than a primetime hearing would. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that the viewership base for that 20 million is fairly old. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, I don't know, like a stupid TikTok trend or like a meme online is going to engage more with 
younger people who are the people that should be taking more of an interest in politics because they're going to shape the way our country looks going forward. But I did think it was interesting because one thing I asked this person was if this was the first time trials or like hearings were ever played on primetime because it just seemed so out there to me. It seemed like really unprecedented. But the Mm -hmm. fact that Watergate had so many is is wild. 51. Mm -hmm. But anyway, thank you again for writing in, writing in, speaking in. in. We appreciate our listeners who contribute to the show, even if they must keep their identities a mystery. <laughs> it, you don't have to keep your identity a mystery, but if you want to, even if you're not disclosing anything that like might jeopardize your position at work or anything, and you just like want us to keep a, um, an aura of speculation <laughs> about who you are, we're happy to do that. Yes. All right. Well, as always, follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, on TikTok at Televisionary Pod. Again, send us voicemails for next week. And that's about it. I guess that is about it. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we appreciate it. And we will be back next week with our one year anniversary episode. All right. I've been Elena Hillard. I've been Cody Hoffman. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye.